Good evening, everyone. Welcome along to our second week of our Audience of One series. Uh, we're delighted you can be here. Make sure you give us a wee comment there below. Give us a like. Let us know where you're calling, where you're watching from. Uh, last week with Shirt St. Gone and Pete Hiskey and with loads of people connecting in from around the world. Uh, tonight's guest, who will announce in a wee second, is an absolute local legend, I think, here in Northern Ireland. Anyone who can take an, a, a word from Northern Ireland, such as we, and put it into a product to make it famous around the world, gets my seal of approval. And tonight we are absolutely blessed. I'm absolutely honoured to have along George Lydon, who is the founder, the owner, and the head guru of guitars here and anywhere around the world as far as I'm concerned. George, we're so excited that you can be here with us. Welcome along. Um, yeah, how Thanks are you? Thanks very much. No, I'm doing well. And I'm glad to be here. Um, it's uh, It's been a wonderful day today. You know, we've had a great spring here in Northern Ireland. Very unusual for us. Um, but during the lockdown, it's really helped us, I think, some of us to um, to get through that time. And um, so looking forward to getting back on the golf course as well. Last last week, you had Stuart Sink on. And I was I was loving it, you know. Um, he was, um, yeah, very sincere, very, it was good to hear him talking uh, about about golf, but also about his faith. And uh, hopefully tonight, um, I'll be able to tell the story of, of guitars and how I got into that. Brilliant. And, what a, and the, the journey, I suppose, how it's gone. Fantastic. Hi, first of all, hi, things with you, with everything going on with lockdown and everything um you know it's a strange time for us all at the moment so nice things for you guys um it's well it's of course it's very very difficult because we're a manufacturing well i mean i make guitars myself personally but also i have a company that i started um 45 years ago and um so we have about 70 people in the company and of course in lockdown, you know, where all the shops that sell our guitars are closed, or the vast majority of them are closed, um, that makes it a bit more difficult, you know, because obviously they're not going to be buying guitars if they can't open their doors. So it's a question of, uh, you know, rearranging the workshops for social distancing, um, cutting, stopping production for, it's now been about two and a half months, um, but we hope to start again gradually uh this week coming good good so um take us back to introduce yourself as where you've came from where you've grown up you know we know you're a county down man heart you know so tell us a bit about those early days of young george growing up so i i was brought up in in a small town a small town relatively speaking called bangor not so small now it has to be said um my parents were both school teachers. Uh, they were they brought me up pretty strict, I would say. But I don't I don't look back on that and think, oh, that was terribly strict. It was awful. Not at all. I didn't like it at the time. That's true. But um, uh, certainly, they brought me up in a in a Christian way. And in my teen years, teenage years, I rejected that um, in a kind of passive way. You know, I didn't. 
I didn't sort of verbalize the fact that I was rebelling against Christianity um, too much. Uh, I suppose in our home, it wouldn't have gone down too well if I had. Um, but the fact is that I, I didn't, I wasn't a follower of Jesus at all back then. And, um, uh, but I became interested in music very much in my mid-teens. Uh, interested in music, interested in sport, interested in girls, of course. And, <laughs> um, but then when I was about 18, um, I, I guess my parents must have been praying for me or something, but I began to feel that um, the way that I was going uh, with my life, I knew inside that it, was, that it was my own way and that it wasn't God's way. So I, um, I made a complete 180 degree turn uh, and decided to uh, become a Christian, which I did. And then, of course, um, everything changed. You know, my whole mindset started to change. Um, uh, when, I, when I look back on it now, there was a lot of change that took place without me realizing it. Um, but I guess that's what happened. What, that's what happens when you decide to follow the Lord. Um, and then when I was about oh, 23 or so, 22, 23, um, having built up a small uh, manufacturer's agents, agency business, um, I began to feel that I wasn't going the way that God wanted me to go in the business. So I started to pray about what to do with my life. And after a long um, process, several weeks of prayer and um, trying to be patient, um, but really focused on just trying to find what the Lord wanted me to do with my life. And um, after a while, I began to feel that I should start making guitars. And of course, um, you know, I was aware that that was quite, whack, quite a wacky thing to think about. Um, so I, you know, so I prayed and asked the Lord to, um, if this really is you telling me to do this or, or leading me to do this, um, then I need you to confirm it to me, you know. So I, I, I devised a way of praying very specifically about it. And after about 24 hours, I was very, very, very sure in my mind that that was what uh, the leading of God was. So. Oh. Here I am. Wow, that's amazing. Um, okay, allow me, allow me to, to, to push back a little bit on that, say, with devil's advocate, so to speak. Yeah. What, what is it, how would you convey that feeling of believing that you heard from God, this is the way that you should go? You know, for maybe people watching this tonight or watching it back at a later date, how do you convey that in a best way that you can describe? I personally know how that feels, yes. Because I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I believe I hadn't heard, similar to you. But how would how would you say that was for you back back in that moment? Well, I can tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't, you know, a, a big sort of ghostly voice um, <laughs> coming into my ears <laughs> as I was praying. You know, I don't believe. I mean, God could speak to us that way if He wanted to. But the way I was praying about it was, I was just asking the Lord to, to just to show me some way or other, and I didn't specify what way, just to show me what was the right way to go with my life. And I, and I genuinely believe that if anybody is seeking 
God um, that way, in a simple kind of uh, almost naive way, then I believe that the Lord will find a way to show them um, uh, what to do. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, an audible voice. It was just a feeling inside that I asked the Lord to confirm. And I, in my case, I, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, um, from what I know about guitar making, which is, which is virtually nothing, um, there, there are several problems with it from the point of view of doing it for a living. And I just asked the Lord to show me um, the answers to those three questions. Mm. And without me looking for the answers within 24 hours, um, I had the answers to those questions. And therefore, it was really so clear, you know. Yeah. So I think, I, I think, Spud, you know, if, if um, I think that if you approach God in a very sort of honest way, in a very simple way, and ask a question, I believe that God will answer you. There's nothing, you know, sort of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> there's nothing freaky about it. There's nothing odd about it. It's just God wants, I believe that God wants to commune with us. And um, if we ask him, he will, he will do that. That's incredible. That's amazing. So then obviously straight away, I haven't had that, you know, direct, clear direction from God. I'm sure immediately you were a master craftsman at making guitars from day one. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if, if, I've often sort of tried to explain this. You know, if, if, if you can't swim and somebody throws you into the deep end of a swimming pool, you know, you'll splash about and you'll, you'll try and stay afloat. And if somebody offers you a hand, it doesn't matter who it is, if somebody offers you a hand, you'll grab onto it. Yeah. And it's, it was very much like that for me. I, did, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know. Um, how to sharpen tools. I didn't know what quite a lot of woodworking tools were for. Um, I certainly didn't know anything about wood itself and how to season it or even the significance of the seasoning of the wood. Um, I had a little tiny book, um, a little small booklet. Um, I suppose it might have been 60 or 70 pages, um, handwritten, um, hand typed. Uh, by an English guitar maker about how to make a, a folk guitar. So that was all I had. And uh, I just got some wood and got some tools, even though I didn't know how to sharpen them or use them. And I just got started. So the first guitars were um, sounded good, but the workmanship was absolutely shockingly bad. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, what was it like back in those early days? You know, did, did you, I'm sure... Did you you had did you have doubts that God had got this wrong that you'd started down a path of like you know were you married back then at those early stages, you know what 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 was it like trying to get through that initial startup period? So I actually got married uh, one year after starting, uh, on the proceeds of of the first three guitars that I made. <laughs> uh, um, I sold the first guitars for fifty quid round about each. Um, 50 quid would hardly buy the strings now, <laughs> it has to be said. You know, the, the, you know, I just had, even though things were tough, you know, and I was trying to do something I didn't know how to do, 
even though that was the case, I, I genuinely prayed um, every day and asked the Lord to help me to learn how to do this and to learn how to do it to a standard which was, um, which was really, really, really high. I had this feeling that I, that having been having been led to do this, that I wanted to do it to the highest possible standard. Um, um, I couldn't really believe that the Lord would lead me to do something and not do it to the highest possible standard. I just accepted auto automatically that that would be the case. And when it didn't work out in the early days, especially, um, I just prayed and asked for more help, particularly asked the Lord to help me to think the right way about it. Um, you know, I had the, I believe in intelligent design. Um, uh, I, I believe that the, that the God who, who designed the laws of physics um, knows much more about wood and how to make it respond to music than, um, than anybody on earth. So therefore I prayed very simply, just ask the Lord to help me every day to think the right way. And I still do that today. Brilliant. And then take us through the journey then of, of that, those early days of, of, you know, getting recognized, how, how you grew as a, as a craftsman, uh, how you grew as a businessman. Um, so it was a question of learning uh, from every guitar that I made, you know, um, like I said, I started off at 50 quid and the next ones were 70 and the next ones were 90 and then, you know, and so on. So I was just trying to learn something. So I would get, uh, you know, A2 paper out and I would draw a shape on it um, and I would have a look at it. And then I would use that shape to make a guitar and then I would look at the three dimensional object that I had made and realize the shape was a bit this way or a bit that way. It was a bit out of proportion or whatever. And then I would get the A2 paper out again and draw another shape. And then I would just keep developing it. And then as well as that, I would uh, be changing the way I made the inside of the guitar um, and uh, trying to make it sound better all the time. And so I would do something with the strutting inside uh, or with the thickness of the materials and then I would play it afterwards and listen and talk to musicians and ask them to give me feedback uh, as well you know yeah. so it was a it was a journey of of trying to innovate um, but starting from an extremely naive um, and ill-informed position so Every mistake known to man I made. Um, and and all I wanted to do, all I wanted to do was just learn from those those mistakes, you know, and I and I believe that that I did. The Lord really helped me um, to to learn something from every guitar, to listen to what the guitar players said to me, and to try and incorporate that what they were saying into the next guitar. Um, and then, you know, before I knew it, the guitars were selling in, uh, in Paris. That was the first big sort of break that I had. Um, a friend of mine, Alistair Burke, um, unknown to me, took a guitar that I made for him. Um, this would have been after about three years of guitar making. 
maybe four at the most. Unknown to me, he took my guitar to, to the best guitar shops in Paris. And um, all of a sudden I got a call from one of, from one of the shops, the best acoustic guitar shop in Paris. Wow. And they said they wanted six a month wow. of, these, of these guitars. So I was, I was immediately put in the position where I had to start a business as opposed to just making them on my own. Yeah. So that was, that was a whole nother journey. Um, I had to then start to learn how to become a businessman as well as a guitar maker. And I'm still, I'm still doing that part and I'm still <laughs> learning how to make, I'm still learning how to make better guitars too. Um, I didn't find the business side of it very easy because it is a craft, you know, it's not, um, if you want to make money, there would be maybe easier ways to do it than make guitars. Yeah. I would, um, but the journey has been, uh, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down from a business point of view. Yeah. Um, because uh, I started at a, you could say from a business point of view, a bad time because the acoustic guitar market was, was on the downward slope. Uh, having reached the heights during the hippie period, <laughs> uh, which which uh, you're much too young to remember started. <laughs> but I, I actually for this lockdown I'm, if I, my hair gets me longer I'm going to be like I'm going to be like too. but um, back back in those days um, the everybody was buying acoustic guitars you know and walking around with them on their back and so on uh, and then the, the market started to disappear and by the by the mid 80s it had reached uh, rock bottom um, and, but since then, started to go back up again, and it's it's very good now. So, so speaking of getting feedback from different musicians and player players and stuff, I heard a crazy story once about you chasing somebody in London, who's quite infamous when it comes to guitars. You, I, I was wondering. I thought you were going to ask me that. <laughs> you're, you're, a bad, you're a bad man, Spud. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this is, this is kind of embarrassing in a, in, a, in a way because I I never, you know, back in those days in Northern Ireland, a lot of famous musicians never never came here because of the troubles. Yeah. Um, and uh, by 1987 or so, I was uh, feeling that a bit, you know, I wanted some famous people to see my guitars and there's a lot of people buying my guitars and that was great. Um, so... There was, there was one player, and he's the only person I've ever done this, uh, and that was my kind of guitar idol, uh, Eric Clinton, who um, I, I was told where he lived, and I happened to be over in England um, during the Christmas New Year period, and I had some guitars with me, and I thought, gosh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and see if I can speak to him. So, so I, I, um, so I went looking for him. I had the I had an address um, in Surrey there, and I went and I started to look for it. I couldn't find it, and it was, I believe, it was about six o'clock on New Year's Eve. What, what a, what a, what a time to do it! Um, and I was sitting on a in a very quiet country road in, in Surrey, looking at the map. And don't forget, at this time there was a lot of political trouble going on in. in Northern Ireland, and uh, so this police car stops beside me, and uh, I wind down the window and 
The policeman said, are you lost? And I said, yes, I am, um, in my Northern Ireland accent. And I said, I'm looking for a place called uh, Hertwood Edge. And uh, he said, oh, um, yeah. I said, it's actually where Eric Clapton lives. And he said, oh, yeah. You just go down to the next roundabout, you take a right, and then you go to the next roundabout, you take a right again, and you go into Ewhurst Village, and then you take a left, and I stand behind the windmill pub. <laughs> I was I was kind of taken aback um, that that he would have you know said that to me, um, but anyway I, I I was in a certain amount of nervousness and I went and I knew it was in the right place because there was a, a full size totem pole beside the, the front door, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so but you have to remember like I said it was pitch black twelve uh, six o'clock or thereabouts on New Year's Eve. And I knocked the door and he came to the door himself and I was kind of taken aback and he, he put, but he put me at my, my ease and I told him that sometime I would be really happy if he would look at my guitars and give me his, his uh, critique. <laughs> and um, he said he would, he would. And, um, and that, that was fine. I didn't want to push it and say, would you like to look at one now? Not like a, a better wear salesman or salesman or something. <laughs> And, uh, uh, so, but the next morning I, I, I realized that he didn't, he'd never heard of me. So the next morning I went back and I gave him a, I gave him a brochure. And then sometime after that, he saw Paul Brady, um, playing my guitars in London, I think in Ronnie Scott's club. And he went, he went backstage and played Paul's guitar and said he would like one. And Paul came to us and. And um, so we made him one, and he used it, you know, to record uh, Pilgrim and Reptile, the albums, and they also used it to pick up one of his Grammys in 1997. Wow. Um, so, so that was, um, uh, you know, the only time I've ever done anything like that, and <laughs> it was, uh, but it was very nice, and you know, it, it was nice to see him doing that of his own volition without any. You know, commercial incentive or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, you know, we're we're in we're in a bit of a you know crazy times at the moment with every everything going on, and um, yeah, there's some guys maybe who could be in similar positions what you were back in the day. You know, starting off and stuff. And I have a friend who's actually just who was actually due to open up his first guitar shop in Bangor. There, Windmill Guitar Simon, um, just okay. before the pandemic started. And obviously couldn't, uh, but thankfully on Friday past, just a few days ago, managed to open up whenever they um, stopped there, they released or relaxed some of the guidelines. So I asked right. him, would he send you in a question, just from a guitar guy point of view and a business guy point of view. So this, this is his uh, couple of questions for you. Hi George, Simon from Windmill Guitars Hi. in Bangor. Yeah, I've been very fortunate over the years doing a number of loudons and even more fortunate um, to sell a number of beautiful pre-loved loudons to many customers. Um, I have two questions for you. The first one is really, at what stage in your career did you feel you were producing a guitar which could compete with those big brands? 
and they were maybe at slightly better known at the time. And secondly, um, faith in business can be a tricky conundrum. Um, so in looking at the big business decisions you've had to make uh, over the years, and maybe more recently, including the, the move to produce uh, a sub-brand of guitars with Sheeran, how important has your faith been, and how have you used your faith to, to guide you in those decisions? Many thanks. Cheers. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so the first question uh, was, when did I, when did I see, when did I think that I had a guitar that was able to compete with the, the big brands, as you would call them, uh, you know, like Martin and so on? Um, I think rather than answer that directly, because I never really thought about it in, that, in those terms, um, but I would say that after three and a half years to four years, I had arrived at the design which is now called the O series. Yeah. And the o, the o series hasn't changed at all since those days. Um, and it was, it was the guitar that, that started my reputation. Um, and so therefore I was very happy with that, uh, with that guitar. I still am. Of course I've brought out new designs since then, but I suppose uh, it, it's amazing to me looking back on it that, after three and a half or four years, you know, there was a design like that that was satisfying me and satisfying a lot of other people. And of course, I'm still trying to make all of my designs slightly better as I go on. Because, mm -hmm. you, you know, guitars are not perfect. And if there's a way to make them perfect, I'd like to find it. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, if you make them perfect, then they lose their mystery. So there's, there's that side of it as well. Yeah. And, and then the, the second question um, was yes, was was how how I approach faith uh, when it comes to business, and uh, really this is how, this is how I do it. Um, I believe that being a Christian um, means that I should treat my customers, and my suppliers, and my employees. Uh, the same way that I would like to be treated. So my suppliers, for example, who supply me with wonderful wood, you know, um, I should, first of all, be thankful to them for going to that trouble. Secondly, I should pay my bills on time, if at all I possibly can. And um, with regard to my customers, um, the players, you know, I should be listening to them. I should be thanking them for choosing our <laughs> guitar. Um, and if they've got any problems, I should be uh, doing everything I can to to solve to solve those for them, um, as 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 my customers and as my employees. Um, again, it's a question of treating them with respect, um, and and not treating them as just guitar making resources, but treating them as real people um, with real issues, just like the rest of us do. So that that's how I try to approach things and it's not you know it's not always easy because sometimes in, in business you have to make difficult decisions um, but if I keep those three principles as my guiding ones then it becomes easier to make the decisions um, never ever make a, a business decision um, with with a motivation of money because uh, it's not a good enough reason to make a decision. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, 
Has there, has, has there been a moment in your career where you've just been in a situation or in a room or at a venue or a gig or in a conversation with someone where you've just had that out-of-body experience of, is this, is this my life? You know, God, you, you put this dream in me a long time ago and now here I am in this arena or in this event or in this conversation. Yeah, I, I actually think I, I actually think like that a lot of it. <laughs> if if I'm understanding you correctly, Spud, you know, I, yeah. I, um, I, you know, even when things are very difficult, you know, for whatever reason it could be, you know, this this lockdown is very very difficult from a business point of view. Um, but even in this lockdown, you know, I have this strong sense that I'm doing, uh, you know, what the Lord wants me to do. And all I really want to do is to, um, I mean, I'm 69 in a couple of weeks' time. So what I, what I want to do is, is finish well. Yeah. You know? I want to, I want to um, make sure the business is very strong as I hand it on to the next generation in due course. I mean, my, I'm very blessed to have my whole family in the business. Um, my wife, uh, my uh, eldest daughter, my eldest son, uh, my middle son, Aaron, um, and my son-in-law. Mm. Uh, you know, it's fantastic to have my, my family in the business and I can look forward to them taking it forward based on the same principles that I've tried to, to run it on. Yeah. So, you know, so that's, that's, uh, that's gold. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got a few people um, watching us at the moment from around the world, by the way. Um, oh, my good buddy, uh, Caleb Voth is on from Oklahoma. Good to see you, Caleb, or good to have you, Caleb. We've got John Brown on from California. Um, we've got a couple of, we've got one question um, from someone who says, who's the most famous musician to play any of your guitars? So, in, 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 um, well, first of all, let me say this, that whether a person is famous or not, um, I... I listen to what they say to me because it's so important. Um, but and the most famous currently would be Ed Sheeran, of course. Um, I have a very good relationship with Ed, and and you know he's 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 a wonderful guy. Um, you know he's bought I don't know probably thirty or forty or maybe more of my guitars, and then also I've gone into. A, collaboration with them to bring out a range of guitars which are more affordable for young people um, called Sheeran by Loudon and um, uh, so he would be the most famous right now um, in days gone by the most famous would have been Eric Clapton of course yeah um, well yeah, the, the guy the guy who asked that question thought that you would say Wes Grierson <laughs> Wes uh, I mean Wes is, <laughs> Wes is great. Wes used, to work, Wes used to work for me, and uh, yeah, but he, he, yeah, Wes is great as well. He's probably disappointed. So Wes, you, you also, we, uh, thanks for CDM for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you know, talk, talk to me about um, your your favorite um, compilations that you've done. You've done a lot of stuff, you know. I'm thinking of like the Bushmills Live, you know, making guitars from old whiskey barrels. It's just incredible, you know, to um, the project that you're currently running with Ed Sheeran. 
you know, I love that one. I seen it as I was as I was doing some reading up. You know, the one that you've done about fathers and sons really captured me in particular. That legacy of passing yeah. it on from one generation to the next, and that's quite dear to what we're trying to do here at CVM. Uh, what would be your 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 favorite kind of projects that you've worked on or are currently working on? Yeah. Um... So the most difficult project has been has been the Sharon uh, by Loudon project because um, try, you know for years and years and years I've been making guitars um, uh, expensive guitars um, <clears throat> but I've always wanted to be able to to make a guitar that was much 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 more affordable but which had much of the character of my other guitars and. Um, so that's been a very, very difficult, tech, it's technically it's been very difficult, uh, training people and getting the whole production set up right has, has been a huge task, which, I've been, which has been occupying me for the last couple of years. Uh, but it's, it's one that's close to my heart because now it's possible for people, young people particularly, who can't afford two, three, four, five, six grand for a guitar um, to be able to get one. Um, uh, of these guitars for you know seventy eight hundred pounds that sort of price and it's 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 uh, very gratifying to me to to have um, achieved a goal that I wanted to do for a long time. Um, you mentioned <laughs> you mentioned Bush Mills collaborations. I have done several collaborations with with Bush Mills and very honoured uh, to do that. Um, and you know one or two Christians have said to me you know well. You know, are you sure you want to be working with a, with a whiskey company? And um, well, to me, you know, I always, I always think that it's not the whiskey that's wrong. It's maybe how some people use it, I suppose. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't really have any problem with that. And um, that particular project that you mentioned uh, was interesting because the Cooper, the main Cooper up there, we'd been there for many, many, many years. That's the guy who, who makes barrels and who repairs the barrels and all that. And he brought his son into the business to apprentice to himself. And um, so there was a correlation between him and his son and myself and my sons. Mm. Uh, both of them have learned how to make guitars uh, with me. So that was an exciting project to take some of those. I remember the day I went up to get the... Uh, the staves, you know, the parts of the barrel. Yeah. The barrel was broken down, and I, I came back home with a car with a car load of these uh, whiskey barrel staves, and um, I was sort of thinking to myself, if the police stop me, they'll impound the car. Never mind me, because <laughs> the smell, the smell was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> that was that, that was a that was a great project. I mean, the guitars. Um, the, the guitars that we made in collaboration with uh, Bushmills were very special. You know the different projects we did with them, and we made we did we may do more in the future. You know, just, they're, nice, they're a nice company to work with. Um, any other ones? Um, you know, working working on signature models is really important. You know, to try and get the guitar right for the for the player, Richard Thompson. For example, um, I had to, you know, uh, I just had some ideas about the kind of guitar that he wanted, and I made the guitar, and it turned out that 
that did suit him very well. And, you know, I've done that with other players as well. In fact, uh, with regard to Ed Sheeran, you know, I had to completely redesign um, my Wii Loudon um, for him for stage use um, because he plays in very large arenas, as you know, um, you know, sometimes 80,000 people or so. And um, my guitars were just too, too sensitive for that. They were, they're designed for studio, they're designed for small clubs, they're designed for sitting at home. And they really, really respond uh, very easily. Um, you, you know, if, if I had if done the job right, you know, you just touch the guitar and it responds. But for, for stage use, um, you need something that's more disciplined than that. Yeah. So I completely, I completely redesigned my Wii Loudon and um, I changed the internal design of it and the external design and I took it over to Salisbury to his uh, sound team and they tested it and um, the sound, the sound the man said to me, he said, I'm taking that to Singapore as my hand baggage tomorrow. <laughs> wow. So that was that. It was from that from that point on that he started to use my guitars on wow. stage as, as well as uh, you know in the studio. Yeah, that's amazing. And what, what does it feel like? Obviously, you know, I've never been to an Ed Sheeran gig. Obviously, I'm a bit too old for that. My daughter. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Obviously, you would enjoy it. <laughs> I, I, probably, I would, because there is that. There is something about that, especially in the music industry today. The the the, the talent of one of one guy and a guitar. And if, yes, a few pedals, but to be able to hold not just like not just a hall or a, or a venue, but a whole arena filled with people with nothing I but. I can assure you, but it's it's an unbelievable experience. I've been to, of course, several of his concerts now, um, um, and uh, oh gosh, it's amazing, really, what he can do, one yeah. guy. Yeah, and that must make you feel proud too that it's just your creation and him and uh, the SPA and everything else but you know making that sound and everything that comes with it yes yes it does and um, um, well look I, you know I've tried to learn over the years you know what does what and how to create a guitar with my particular tone nuances in it um, I'm praying as I go yeah. for wisdom help and understanding um, and I certainly don't understand everything or even nearly everything but it is good to know that that uh, you know that that I can do that that I can make a guitar and hopefully it works for the professional player that it's going to yeah. um, or, or for the amateur you know if, if a guitar inspires a player and that's all I need to know as long as it's inspiring him if it's not inspiring him or her, then I, I, I would like, I want to know about that too. And then I want to try and find out yeah. why. Yeah. Have you, uh, we've actually got a question here uh, from Sam, who's watching on, on Facebook Live, asking, have you had the chance to share your faith with artists and people that you work with? Um, yes. Uh, I, I'm not the kind of person who, you know, <clears throat> buttonholes people or um, you know tries to lay the four spiritual laws on them or whatever um, I, I just what I try to do is just try to be a Christian yeah. and then um, 
if I if I get the opportunity to share that in more detail, then I will. And um, yeah, so perhaps I should be more uh, what would you say more proactive in that way. But like I said, I, there's so much humbug out there that I that I kind of feel I want to just live it. Yeah. Um, rather than talk about it too much. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that that whether you're a musician, uh, you know, an amateur musician or a professional musician or a big star um, or a guitar maker or whatever you are, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, we all need to acknowledge God and um, turn around and give our lives to him, to follow him through Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on 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 that note, you know, I was just, you know, um, I would encourage everyone to check out the Leiden Guitars website and all their social media. There's some amazing videos there. There's some amazing the story of uh, how you set up the company and some of the artists and all the guitars, obviously, that you build and the pro. I was quite fascinated with the process because I'm a, I'm a, I had a learn this stuff before chatting to you because I wanted to know obviously what I was chat what I was going to be talking to you about the process that goes into taking you know what is effectively you know you sent me through I'll show that this quick video this big clip that you you very kindly sent me through of some of the wood that you find and the state that it might be in you know whenever you first get it um and tell tell us what this is George you know where it was found Okay, so this is actually um, what we call a split billet. So you can see the surface of it there is all very rough. Um, and in this particular case, it's um, a part of a redwood tree that has been split uh, using a, an axe, really. Um, now these redwood trees were lying at the bottom of rivers in Northern California for 100 years, 150 years, and then uh, somebody tries to, you know, uh, float, refloat them again, bring them to the surface. And um, because they've been lying underwater for so long, um, a lot of the resins have been leached out of the wood, and it makes the wood very light, um, but still has the strength and stability uh, to respond properly. So they make very good soundboards. They look like nothing on earth when you bring them up from, from the bottom of the river. They just look like a whole waterlogged log full of rot and all sorts of things. But when you take the wood out from the middle of it, it can be amazing, really amazing what it does. Yeah, because then you go, you go, you go from, from that basically, you know, to, to this. Yep. You know, yep. Um, the, the, how long are you talking about as, as a process then from one to the other? So, uh, well, the, the wood, of course, we also buy, buy the, we also get uh, what we call beachcomber cedar, um, which uh, comes from logs which have been uh, washed up on the beach in British Columbia. And we do the same thing with those, you know, we split them and then make, cut them into soundboards, and, um, joint them and thickness them and go through a whole process. Length of time-wise, um, once the wood is seasoned, and that can take anything from anything from three months to two years, um, depending on the wood and depending on how dry it is when we get it. 
uh, or how wet it is. Um, uh, but once it's seasoned, the process takes about six weeks to make a guitar from start to finish. Yeah. Um, in the Leiden series. In the Sheeran by Leiden uh, range, it's more like a week, week to 10 days. Yeah. So you're looking, you're getting all this material from all over the world then? You're yes. searching for it and, and, and buying it up. I, I read a, um, an introduction to an, an article about an interview with yourself, and it began with this. It says, a great guitar is all about the wood, and a great guitar maker or luther knows how to choose that wood, how to shape it, how to let it breathe, and then how to let it sing. Um, and I think that's what's fascinated me about your story. It's that, you know, it's not just about, you know, being, I suppose you're like a timber connoisseur, really, you know, not just having a keen ear to what sounds good, but also everything to help it look and the aesthetics of it too and the craftsmanship, the master yeah. craftsmanship that goes along with that. Yes. No, that's, that's, look, this is a life's work and you know, I've never stopped learning. Um, I, you know, <clears throat> anybody can take, you know, anybody can take the pieces of wood and they can cut them to the size that roughly they're supposed to be and they can glue them together and they can make a guitar. But, but actually learning how to make that sound really good, um, that means where you touch it and it just responds. Mm -hmm. But it's still able to do that 20 years later or 30 years later. Um, is It's an art and it's something that I'm still learning, um, you know, how to do better, I hope. Um, there's an awful lot to it, Spud, you know. Um, even the way you make it is really important, you know. Yeah. If you're making a piece of furniture and if, you know, you just cut the pieces of wood to size and, you, you know, you glue them or screw them, together and you've got your table or your wardrobe or whatever but if you have that approach when you're making a guitar you know you're liable to make a guitar that sounds like a wardrobe um quite quite seriously you know you can't you can't approach guitar making the same way as as making a piece of furniture you have to avoid stress you have to make sure that everything comes together very easily no pressure no sort of excessive pressure involved anywhere so that the whole instrument can breathe at the end of the day. And when the, when the strings vibrated, that, that the wood vibrates with it and, and isn't all tight and tense. Um, uh, I mean, violin makers know that. You know, they know that if you take a very old violin from, say, the 1700s, um, and if you take it apart and then put it back together again, as long as you know what you're doing, um, just the act of taking it apart and putting it back together again releases a lot of the tensions that have built up in the instrument over the years, and it sounds better uh, as a result. And mm. um, it's the same thing with guitars. You know, you've got to you've got to make pay pay a lot of attention to uh, the quality of the joints. Um, we I go to enormous tr trouble to make sure the quality of the joints is perfect. Yeah. Uh, so that, so that the energy that's being created by the strings vibrating can be transferred uh, through the various elements of the guitar itself yeah. and, and respond properly. Um, and if you do that, 
if you're too successful at that, it is possible to make a guitar that sounds fantastic when it's new, but then five years later it's lost its sparkle. Yeah. So you have to you have to kind of discipline it a bit and dial back just a wee bit on it so that in due course, five, ten years, it's really, really come to its uh, potential. Sure. Um, just one, one final question that we've just got in um, from Roy, Roy Skillen. Good to see you. Uh, have you, Roy, on. Um, if someone was wanting to learn guitar for the first time, uh, what would you recommend? Obviously, obviously a sharing by Loudon would be a good start. You know, oh, you mean in terms, of, in terms <laughs> of the guitar? Yes, yes. Uh, a sharing by Loudon would be, would be the ideal. You know, it's unfortunate that a lot of guitars that are out there in the kind of, let's say, five to nine hundred pound range, uh, some of them won't be very easy to play, and that's that's a that's a great pity. Um, you know, so what I would advise is to go into a shop, play several guitars, and and just buy the one that speaks to you the most. If it happens to be a Sharon by Loudon, well, of course, so much the better. Um, but you know, it has to. You know, a lot of people start to play guitar and then they give up after a month or two because it's too difficult. You yeah. know, their fingers are sore. And you know, and oh, you know, what am I going to do now? But so it's important to get a guitar that's easier to play. Yeah. Maybe start off. Maybe even start off with a nylon string, which which uh, will make it a wee bit easier still. Very good. Another idea. Yeah. Well, we're just coming to we're coming to a close, George. Um, before I ask you your final question for your final words, um, <clears throat> hearing you talk about how you take that wood from pretty much the bottom of a river, you know, that's been forgotten about and pretty much buried in a river on, uh, yeah. beneath water for a hundred years. The first thing that really captured me in here, and even, even, even hearing your story at the very beginning of your journey to faith, uh, very similar to my journey to faith at a young age, the first thing that came into my, thought, my head was the verse out of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, where it just says, if, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation, you know, it's that the old is gone and the new is here, you know, being able to take that disused, forgotten about piece of material and putting it into the hands of a master craftsman and giving everything to him, then allows for him to turn it into some, an instrument of use and an yes. instrument of incredible beauty and also yes. incredible use for him. And I think for yes. me, if anyone's watching tonight or even watching this back, in days and weeks and years to come. That's what Jesus does for us when we, he paid the price that, that, that we can come to God the Father and be called the sons and the daughters of God um, and be a completely new creation for him. I would encourage you to think about that, to maybe consider yeah. that. As soon as we finish here, um, there's going to be a link at the bottom of the Facebook page and on our social media for another Zoom call that we're going to open up. For anyone who's got any questions about faith, trying to understand what it is we're, we're trying to convey here, uh, trying to understand the Christ, Christian faith, faith in Jesus, the gospel, where does it all fit in your life? If you want to know more, please come on, have a chat with us, grab a coffee, whatever it might be. Um, and I'll be over there shortly to do that. And uh, George, anything that you would want to close off with and, and saying tonight? Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity, Spud, you know, to, to share um, my story. Um, I would just have to say that I, you know, that over the years, 
um, I am so totally aware of my own, um, uh, you know, uh, weaknesses and shortcomings, and also aware of my rebellion in my teenage years. And I'm very, very, very grateful to God that He uh, showed His grace to me. And even though I was rebellious, He 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 drew me out of that rebellion and gave me the chance to turn around and to be made new. As you said, just like just like those logs that are at the bottom of the river, useless uh, there, you know, completely uh, rotting away. Um, and then you bring them to the surface. And in, in a way, that's what God has done um, uh, with me and, and will do with, with everybody who turns to him. You know, so, um, well, it doesn't mean that you're going to become a, you know, a big star or whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, the point is whether we're working in the hospital or whether we're teaching children or whether we're working as a carpenter or a guitar maker or a doctor or whatever, it doesn't matter if we can, if we can turn to God, then he will uh, lead us step by step and make us new. Incredible, George. George, we're just so honored and blessed that you could take your time and give of it so freely to be here tonight. Um, we're so grateful and, and cheering you on and we want to see that happening for your new products and um, may 45 years be the next 10, 20 years, ever long God grants you, may it be uh, may it eclipse everything that's happened so far. And we're just praying for amazing adventures for you and the whole Leiden family there uh, with everything you. that you're doing. No, thank you so much for being on. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, as I say, head on over to our, our Zoom call, which is going to open up shortly with Rob and the guys. Uh, we're back again next week. Uh, we've got a huge guest lined up next week. We're not telling you who it is yet. It's Father's Day next Sunday. Uh, one of the best days of the year that I love, and I'm sure George does too, being a dad and a granddad. So we're looking forward to a great week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday night at 8 p.m. We'll see you soon. Bless you.